get ready for Vancouver's premier real estate podcast. Your source for buying, selling, and investing in Vancouver's real estate market. With your hosts, two guys with faces for radio, Adam and Matt Scalina. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And we have an incredible episode today. Oh, it's going to be a good one. It's just Matt and I. So buckle up. Buckle up. I feel like the air just left the room. <laughs> and there's a lot of pauses on iPhones. Yeah, for sure. Or Android devices. Yeah. So feel free to sk- skip this one. But it's going to be... Uh, it's gonna no, be we, got a, we got a ton of useful information here. This is going to be a useful one because what we're hearing out there right now is is that buyers are really frustrated losing in multiple offers. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of buyers out there. There's not a ton of inventory. That's right. So this is an opportunity for Matt and I to kind of go through our process for how buyers can set themselves up to make sure that you're actually successful in a multiple offer situation. Yeah, exactly. This is is our, our, our notes on how to actually secure property. And uh, the reason this came up is uh, Adam was contacted a couple days ago by uh, local publication, Van City Buzz. Right, right. Excellent publication. Uh, they actually caught me on my drive to work and I, I rambled on for about six minutes and she said, yeah, I think uh, we've got we, enough. We got it. We got it. <laughs> and, uh, and then there, it, it, it turned into about, I think, one sentence. In yeah. The piece. So, and, but the one thing I, I would like to point out is uh, they they cited the podcast which was which was great yeah uh, and they cited you as the host which i found kind of misleading <laughs> exactly you know what though it's uh yeah it's it's exciting there's to two be hosts We're, there's two hosts there's two sorry hosts. i'm not yelling <laughs> <laughs> well we're uh we're excited to be a part of van city buzz and For sure and we we really appreciate the shout out and uh it's it's one of our favorite publications so very excited. Yeah. So that was your big, that was a big thing. In yeah. Your and it was an article talking about, there was a Kitsilano home that sold for $735,000 over asking, which is, you know, the article said it sets a, a new record, but in, in greater Vancouver, we've seen houses sell well over a million dollars. I think I mentioned one in, in West Vancouver in the article that sold for, I think, 1.3 or 1.2 million over asking. So it's not completely unheard of, but what was unique about this house was it was it was a nice house. Yeah, um, it, it was, it, it had been renovated down to the studs. It'd been renovated down to the studs, not the, you know, not not like they renovated it with gold or anything, but it's uh, it was still a very nice Nice, nice renovation, but it wasn't a view property. It wasn't a view lot, and uh, it went astronomically high for for what it was yeah, and, for the and, area. And this is something that we're actually seeing. We're seeing where there's a lot of sales, and basically the 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 core of the article is saying, you know, what's driving this, but also there's nothing really to support this. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's what you know. I think they. I just read the article and you're quoted as saying, you know, the comps don't support the prices. And we'll get to that uh, today because that's one of the challenges right now is is trying to sort out where to land when comps... When writing an offer. Yeah, yeah. when comps aren't supporting it. But that's the essentially the definition of a rising market, right? That we're we're rising at a very quick rate right now. And, and a month ago, the sale is not going to tell you what, what the property is necessarily worth today. So right. it's, a, it's a bit of a challenge that way. And actually, in a future episode we've spoken to, we, we had a great interview with Lee Walker, who is an appraiser. Uh, actually, he owns an appraisal company. And, and that's one of the questions I ask him. How do you deal with this? Like, how do you deal with, with um, 
you know, the comp supporting one price, but everybody feeling like they drastically need to overshoot to secure the property. Right. So or or not overshoot. not overshoot, yeah. but but go higher than what what the comps what are the supporting comps essentially. Yeah. yeah. So Matt, what was uh, what's new with you? Well, yeah, you know, uh, this week was uh, another busy week. Uh, you know, Van City Buzz contacted you uh the big story of my life was i i got a haircut at lisa's chop shop (laughs) that's that's only part of the story (laughs) that was the big story for me two weeks ago yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah, i was over at lisa's chop shop and uh no i was gonna just say that uh, uh sat down in the chair we started talking Actually, we were talking about the podcast when I, when a guy uh, w- came in that she knew. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, African Canadian wearing right. uh, Ray Ban. What what are the Ray Ban? Ray Ban, yeah the uh, the not the Aviator. What no. uh, the Tom Cruise? Yeah, the 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 Ray Bans. Everybody thinks of the black Ray Bans, but yeah. they Jay Z wears those sunglasses a lot, yep. right? Yep. So he walks in. Jay Z, the famous rapper. That's right. Yeah. Does he need an introduction? <laughs> Allow me to introduce. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. Right. Yeah. So this is so anyway, he walks in and uh I just catch a glimpse of him in the mirror because I'm looking towards the mirror and he's in the mirror behind me. And I just casually said, Man, that guy looks like Jay Z. Right. Because uh, of the glasses. Yeah, because of the glasses. And uh and uh anyway, so um Lisa who was cutting my hair turns around and, and gets his attention and, and of course told him that I said he looked like Jay Z. Which was embarrassing. Uh, anyway, that was a big story of my week. Another, uh, so, so another awkward, had, another <laughs> awkward week. So you, so you had a, a more um, productive. Is productive the word? Anyway, well, you, you, had a, we, you had a more. We both had productive weeks in terms of selling real estate. So that's kind of yeah. all that matters. But um, speaking of that, we, what we want to do is, is our whole goal is to is to make sure that our buyers are successful and to and to try and help people. Um, in this in this market, which sometimes is is a very challenging market to operate, whether well not if not so much if you're a seller right now, but definitely if you're a buyer and you're trying to find a place. And like we've said, and I mean you know we're saying it over and over again, but it is a very frustrating market mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. for local buyers. It's frustrating for international buyers. It's frustrating for any buyers right now, right. just with the lack of inventory and and the competitive and, market. And one of the one of the things that. Um, you know, and working with a lot of people that are just getting into the market, the first thing that we have to set up is is that it's not uh, a standard market, even in terms of viewing schedule right now. Right. That it's not like, hey, uh, take a look at these listings, tell me which ones you want to view, and I'll set up uh, a, a viewing schedule, a viewing tour at your convenience, right? Because the the market is is um, you know, it's so dictated by the sellers and the listing agents that that they don't usually do private showings right now. It's it's usually a couple times a week. So let's walk somebody through. So what is basically how how are what's the viewing schedule right now? Yeah. And how is it being dictated by sellers agents but also by sellers? Yeah. So, you know, there's a few things. One is that a lot of a lot of units uh especially downtown and the surrounding areas are have tenants. So part of the at least the logic right now is that uh we don't want to disturb the tenants, so we're going to set up a few uh, viewings over the course of the week, usually Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Uh, and that's in part, and I think that's reasonable not to to disturb the tenants, and that's part of the logic. Uh, but at the same time, it's to, uh, and I think this is it's a common tactic 
pressurize the situation. So you don't have people coming through to take a look at their at their own pace. They all come in at once. Uh, open houses are exceedingly busy. People see each other there. It creates a bit of a frenzy. There's mentality. a bit of a buzz. Yeah. Uh, oh, this place is going to go bananas. You know that type of that type of feeling. Right. You know when you're in a crowded elevator going to look at a place. So so part of it is strategy on on from the listing agent's yep. perspective for sure. Uh, and part of it is I think more more the fact that that there's a logic out there that says hey this is going to sell almost uh, certainly by next week and we can dictate the times and we're going to do it. Also, the one thing I would add to that, you know, with some of my listings, I can tell you I've got a new listing this week that I've had probably about 50 calls on in the last couple of days. And it's very tough. If you're if you're setting up private showings as a seller's agent right now, oh, yeah. you'll just be literally bringing people your whole, through every, your life, every your life. 30 minutes, yeah. right? So I think a lot of people are saying, well, there's a lot of interest in this property. Let's set certain intervals so we can kind of control the situation and get everybody through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that might mean one evening evening showing during the week for people that might be away on the weekend and then Saturday and Sunday open houses between two and four which you know you're looking at probably six six hours or so of showings there opportunities for buyers to come through so it is it is plenty of time yeah yeah no it 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 definitely makes sense it's just it's not the uh it's not not, typical (laughs) not the typical if you're from out of town or you haven't been in the market for a while i mean a year ago this wasn't this this might have been happening with single family homes it wasn't happening with condos and uh and and now it's 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 basically across the board so if if i'm so just to kind of sum up what the schedule is then basically you've got on often a sneak peek on thursday um then you've got Saturday and Sunday open houses. Some people do the sneak peek, some people don't. And then typically the seller is looking at offers on Monday, Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. And if it's, you know, unless there's something kind of, typically if there's not a multiple offer on the property in, in this market, it indicates that maybe they've, they've, they haven't successfully used the pricing strategy or there's something with the property that is, is, is deterring the interest. Well, I was just going to point this out because I met with a with a client last night, uh, a new client, Brian, and we and we were talking about this because he he said, "Hey, look, I don't want to be in in multiple offers if I don't have to be. This is this is his goal." And I said, "Look, here's the thing: if you're not in multiple offers, if you're able to find the property right now that no one else is interested in, there's two two things that that suggests. One, you may be able to grind them on price a bit." But the price is clearly not uh, not an aggressive price that is that is spurring on interest because no one okay. else is actually buying. And the second thing is is that hey, we're in a very hot market right now. Um, markets are always cyclical. There's going to be worse times to sell than now. That's undoubtedly true. And if there's not multiples right now. It suggests that potentially there's not a lot of interest in the property for some other reason. Right and. And you know, as an investment, you might want to think think twice. So yeah, price uh, or property, but but in my mind, if there's not multiple offers right now, it's but you know you've either lucked out and uh, and you should do your due diligence to make sure that that's the case, or it's a situation in which you might question why there's not multiples. And another thing, this kind of raises another interesting point. Um, A lot of people are asking, well, why can't I bring an offer right now? So so you see a a listing come up on Monday, and in the realtor remarks often, the seller's agent will put, 
showing Saturday, Sunday, offer presentation Monday by 6 p.m. So maybe they're either emailed in or your agent gets to present in person. So if you're a buyer and you're frustrated and you say, well, I want to present an offer right now, well, there might be an opportunity to pressurize the sellers, the seller and the seller's agent into looking at an offer earlier. The only thing is, is that there's a document called the Schedule A. Mm-hmm. And if that seller has put in writing that they'll only look at the offers on the following Monday or Tuesday, well, it's very hard to put an offer in that that needs to be presented by the seller's agent because we do have an obligation to a fiduciary duty to the seller to present all offers. Right. So if they haven't indicated that they are looking at offers specifically on Monday or Tuesday in the realtor remarks, if that seller's agent doesn't have a Schedule A, there may be an opportunity for your agent to pressurize the situation and just draft an offer and and encourage them to look at it, yeah. especially if it's an excellent offer. And you know what? We are seeing occasionally offers kind of slide through and, and not everybody is, is employing the formula that we're discussing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the one thing that uh, there's enough realtors in, in the lower mainland uh, in which you get all kinds. And this situation that we're describing is, is the norm. But it is funny. It's, it's almost, uh, it, it's still surprising when you talk to an agent where you say, are, you know, are you looking at offers now? Um, yeah, haven't discussed that with the seller, uh, and right. and that's a sign in. But that's an opportunity. That, exactly, I was going to say the bells are ringing there. Hey, this is let's the, let's write an offer yeah. or let's get in to see this place. Yeah, so let's talk it, about it's not being marketed correctly, right? <laughs> <laughs> potentially, potentially. So let's talk about how to prepare your yourself for the situation. So as a buyer's agent, what are you doing to make sure that your buyer is prepared? So yeah. rule number one. Maybe. Well, well, yeah. There's a there's a few things. One, y- you should be pre-approved, uh, okay. and and that means speaking with a mortgage broker. And you know, we're going to talk to Dustin Woodhouse as well. Yep, uh, a mortgage broker who's who goes into this in more detail uh, in in a later episode. But one of the things I would suggest is being pre-approved and being fairly constant communication with your mortgage broker. Right. So that means actually, so everybody talk and Dustin explains pre-approval, but there's more to getting pre-approved. You have to get him all, you have to get him or her all the documents that they require. And you, you basically have to be completely set up. So if you see the right place, you know, I, either Matt or I or your agent or yourself can call your mortgage broker and get the green light that financing is in place. Yeah, and then you don't go in subject to financing. You're able to waive that subject. Yeah, and and Dustin actually talks about um, one of the ways that he does it where he actually processes the the deal essentially like it's an accepted offer. Right. So that there there should be no issues in terms of, of getting a lender to uh, to finance the property. And I'll give you an example here. We had a listing uh, in Mount Pleasant not long ago where we had seven offers. Right. And the there was we ended up going with the third highest offer that was subject free. And Adam and I were involved in this transaction together and we had a long discussion, you know, potentially we left some money on the table uh, with the seller, but the the real issue there is do you want to go uh, have a couple thousand dollars more and wait a week on subjects and potentially uh, the buyer uh, 
doesn't remove subjects or do you want to go with the sure thing and it's the the one in the hand versus two in the bush right right somebody can write down whatever price but if there's subjects on that it's not uh it's not an offer that is usually attractive in this market to the seller and in a market like this so it was funny actually i was just talking to another agent the other day and and i said i was writing on a property and he said well how many offers are there and i said it was us and two others and he goes oh what's wrong with it yeah. <laughs> so so what I mean by that is if you accept the offer that has the condition on it, you know, not to say that they're not going to remove the condition, but if they don't, it can really create a stigma around the property. Right. And that goes back to my point about uh, not being in a multiple offer situation. Similar thing. Property's been on the market three and a half weeks, right. a month right now. Uh, there's got to be something wrong with it, or at least that's the logic that a lot of people are employing, uh, and it stigmatizes a, a potentially a really great property. So you don't want to get burned by a by a flaky yeah. buyer. So the question, yeah. So the question then it shifts from do I like this place to do others like this place? Yeah. and that's a harder that's a harder question to to have a buyer answer. I think for sure, for sure. So the so the number one rule here would be uh, work closely with a mortgage broker and. E- one other point I'll make here, an independent mortgage broker. And the reason why is in this market, uh, I just spoke with a client who's who's uh, using one of the, you know, the big five banks. And uh, they told me, hey, 10 day subject removal period, that's standard. That's what somebody at the bank told them. That is not standard. That and, and that's going to kill any ability to to it, get a deal done. It right doesn't now. work in this market. No, a ten day a ten day subject. That might be that might be across a country standard. Uh, I'm not sure where they're getting this idea of that being a standard. But right. uh, so so what I would say is an independent mortgage broker who's doing business and understands this market specifically. Right. And and you're working fairly closely with them, so you can you can. Uh, you know, when you see a property you're really interested in, you can pull a trigger on it. And and another thing to do is to ask your either if you don't have a mortgage broker, ask your realtor for one because yeah. chances are they have somebody that they're using who they're very comfortable <laughs> with, who can who they know that can get the deal done in a very timely manner. And and honestly, I the mortgage brokers that we work with are absolute magicians, and, yeah. and they make things happen. They make things happen, and they're they're and they're like us, right? It's not nine to five. They literally don't hold They'll bankers take a call bankers hours, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're exactly. they, uh, they're twenty four seven. So so definitely. So number one is is the pre approval yeah. a relationship with a mortgage broker. I also advise people to introduce me to their mortgage broker mm-hmm. if I don't know them, and then at least do an introductory email so that. The three of us are have teamed constant up constant communication, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what what is this? So so that would be one subject that you can kind of get out of the way so that you can present a subject free offer. So potentially financing if everything seems to line up and your mortgage broker can create that scenario. So what would be a sec? So so if you're buying a condo or a house, there's always documents associated with mm-hmm. it. So for a house, it would be the title, the property condition disclosure statement. You might have the land survey. Um, you know, there might be some other documents associated with the property tank that you want to an oil tank scan that that you want to be able to review up front. So for condos, it would likely be two years of minutes, the form B, any engineering reports, any financial report, a depreciation report. There's several documents that you that you'll have to review at some point yeah. of the buying process, and that are imperative, right? Uh, in the condo process, I mean, a lot of often people talk about inspections, and and ins- inspecting the unit is important. Right. But the real big ticket items that are going to cost you 
a, a lot in terms of special assessments uh, are are with the building and yeah. and the best way to get a sense of the building in my mind is to read read through those strata documents very closely read through the strata documents and also um, it, it also gives you a kind of the culture of the building right sure and you get to, to find out if the strata is making good decisions if they're saving successfully um, it's you know you think about all these different strata buildings in the area they're all like you know I used to think they were like businesses but I think a better analogy is governments, governments. yeah yeah governments. Governments, because they all have their their basic elected officials. They have a budget in place. Um, they have they have a savings reserve, and and they usually have one strata council member with a god complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very very true. But that uh, comes out in the minutes as well. Yeah, exactly. And there and there's there's they're voting and they're they're making decisions. So each it, it's like several different countries operating with different governments. Exactly, and some. Are governments that work for for your kind of affiliation, others maybe aren't the right fit. Well, and the and you know I hesitate to use any country as an example, but one of the things I've often told people is if you look at the uh, a building that has bylaws where there's rental restrictions, and the agent says, "No, nah, don't worry, you know that's that's not they're not actually following those rules, and you'll you'll be able to do an Airbnb here, no problem. Right. It's really lax, you know, really relaxed strata. You know, for some people that might be good, but uh, I don't know. In terms of governments, uh, I'm thinking Canada versus a country in which laws aren't followed uh, you know i'd much prefer to be uh buying into canada than uh you know another country around the world right so there's lots that you can actually learn by reviewing the stratadocs and i think i think this as as a second point is you can get these documents up front whether it's a, a detached house or whether it's a condo or a townhome um, any kind of strata you can get the seller's agent to provide the documents. Hopefully, they're prepared, and hopefully, they have the strata say, documents. In in most cases that, that we're discussing here, they'll have all those documents because this is part of the strategy in selling. They right. want people to re- be able to review these documents first in order to write subject-free offers. Everybody wants a subject-free offer at yeah. the end of the day in a market like this. So, so asking your buyer's agent to make sure that you can get the strata documents or the, the documents pertaining to the house or the lot up front so that you can review them. If you have any questions, if you need independent legal or accounting advice, or if you, if you have um, maybe there's something on title that needs more investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to make sure that we're comfortable with all of the documents related to the property. Right. Right. Um, so that would be step number two to get, get yourself. Prepared yeah. Review is. those strata documents over the weekend. Okay. So what about so the one thing we talked to Aaron Borsch a few episodes back, and obviously there's a lot that you can find wrong with a property. That's right. What would be the third thing? Probably a pre-inspection. Pre-inspection is is what we usually recommend, and uh, that involves. Uh, getting an inspector in prior to offers, right? So that they can uh, flag any potential issues with the unit uh, or the home, in order for you to know ex- essentially what you're buying prior to prior to doing so. And you know what? There's actually this really exciting new service that I don't know how new it is, but I, I've I've looked for this in the past and had a, a really tough time finding it. Um, I've always wanted, and I've had clients request this. 
they don't necessarily want the full inspection and the report and have to spend $600 or more to do yeah. a pre-inspection, but they want to do a walkthrough with somebody who knows their stuff, who's looking for kind of red flags the on ticket, the property. big ticket issues. So we actually have uh, uh, an inspector who's now offering a service for $250, he'll come out and do a one-hour walkthrough consultation with you. Yeah, it's such a good idea. It is a really good idea. So it, feel free, if, if you actually want the contact of this individual, feel free to reach out to Matt or I, and uh, we can send it on for you, to you. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, so we've got pre-approval, we've got StratoDoc review, we've got pre-inspection. So those are three ways you can kind of set yourself up. Yeah, that's, a, that's essentially, free. those are the three subjects that would that would that you'd usually have. Uh, Typical subjects. Yeah, to, re- to, to spend some time after the accepted offer to review. So you wipe the sl- slate clean of those, uh, and that allows you to go in subject-free. Now, that's going to make your offer... Uh, exceedingly more appealing to to the buyer right and what we also like to do is it's kind of a an, another strategy is we like to present all of our offers as agents if we can if if the seller has specifically said that they want offers emailed in there that's their prerogative and they're allowed to do that yeah um and but if we can present that's kind of our our best approach and yeah. we also like people to get a draft a bank draft beforehand for approximately five percent of the property purchase, the purchase price. price right um and we like to bring that draft with us and that essentially the- just solidifies the subject free offer when you when you can hand in a subject free offer uh with a bank with a draft. draft of five percent deposit uh it's a it's a done deal that's a hard that's something that's a hard offer to turn down if you're a seller and it's also it's it's symbolic you know the check doesn't go to the seller when you present that offer if they accept it it comes back into the buyer's brokerage trust account however when the seller sees that check that's uh you know it's it's a real attribute this is the real yeah yeah when you see i mean it's the this offers a real deal, right? When you see an $80,000 bank draft, you start to take the sale very seriously, right? You start salivating, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the other thing that we should point out uh, when, you're, when you're preparing an offer in, in this situation, before we get to sort of the, the, the uh, comparative market analysis uh, discussion that we're going to have, is dates. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and this is fairly standard practice right now uh, in the industry, uh, that the seller dictates the dates uh, for it's, completion it's and possession. Definitely negotiable, but if you if if you, there's only three things that you can really compete on typically, and it comes exactly. down to price, conditions, and dates. Right. So we've got the conditions wiped. So now we're we're looking at dates. Okay. So if the seller is asking for a three month close. And you can do it if that still makes this attractive. Then, then you want to meet the the seller's uh, dates for sure. You want to accommodate, and the dates. and so that's part of uh, what we do as agents is uh, fairly constant communication with with the listing agent in order to ensure that we have as much information as possible right. about w- what the seller's uh, needs are, and and that allows us to have the best offer possible when we when we submit. Right, right. So, so working with their dates, um, and then now what it comes down to is price. So, yeah. price is is always kind of the the most challenging because if you if there's a property and it's priced and it's priced well, and there's seven offers, well, 
what do I offer is 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 an off is, is often a question, right? Right, right. So Matt, how how do you deal with that question? Well, I mean, first all of all, we we do a a, a CMA, which is a comparative market analysis, and, right. and what I do in that situation is I provide uh, some recent real estate board stats on what the market's doing. Uh, and then I provide sold and active comparables for the building, or the or the or the, the home. Or the yeah, home. I'm just I'm just thinking how to phrase that. So for condos, it would be for the building uh, and the surrounding area. And in the case of the home, it would be uh, the surrounding area, obviously with with similar types of properties. So trying to find sales and active comparables that are in very close proximity comparable in terms of things like the exposure, the view, the condition of the unit, the a- or, age or the house, building. the age of the building or house, and, and basically trying to get something that is, is vi- as similar as possible. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to both the active comparables and the sold comparables, and trying to basically put this particular property within a certain context yeah into a broader context of of what similar type of types of properties are selling for in this market right and and obviously especially in a market that's moving quite quickly quickly uh you want you know before it might have been uh more reasonable to look at sales from say eight months to a year ago yep. uh those are not very useful now uh, we're looking at stuff that's sold uh, you know within the last three months potentially the last six months but for the most part, you're you're wanting stuff that's sold very very recently. Exactly, and and I we should state that three months is even too far out for this market. But it it does provide general context, and it sometimes is you know what you have to work with. Yeah, exactly. Um, ideally, in a market like this, you want to be dealing with stuff within the last few weeks, um, and you really want to be accounting for market changes, which is why we cross reference all these sales with recent. Uh, recent stats mm-hmm. about what our market's doing, and and the nice thing is we have real time projection stats that that are are offered by various services that we use in mm-hmm. our in mm-hmm. our market analyses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, well, one example of that is I had a listing in in Yale Town where uh, this the particular unit the last sale was April of last year, and uh, and it sold for a price that didn't match market conditions at all. So what we did was we looked at the last sales over the last month of what's happening we priced it according to those uh and we uh we got our seller uh a price that was that was you know between 250 and 300,000 dollars over the last sale based on those recent comps right. and that was last april the last sale so that gives you a sense of of how useful that stat or that comp was not yep. not very useful at all and the other thing is uh, what I've been doing lately, which is very, well, I've been doing this for a long time, but it's very effective in a market like this, is to call every agent that has an active listing that you're considering and find out as much information. Yeah. So if they're getting a lot of activity at that price point, perhaps it's sold and it hasn't registered on MLS. So I, you know, I would encourage anybody that that's working with an agent or I would encourage any agents out there listening, if, if you're not calling on active comparables, that that's one of the most valuable yeah, resources. You're, yeah, you're doing your clients disservice, right? So, okay, so let's talk a little bit about. Um, it, so now we've kind of reached what we think market value is. So, 
I pay market value and I get the property. Yeah, unfortunately, and this is goes back to your the quotes in Van City Buzz. Unfortunately, that's not the case right now. You can't look at the the last sale and necessarily say, "Oh, that sold for six eighty five. Well, then this this property is worth six eighty five as well. Right? Um, you know, the market's just moving too quickly. So, you know, what we try and do is uh, is look at three different arenas in in before we come up with uh, with a a market uh, or, or a, price. a strategy. strategy. Strategy, sorry. Um, one is what the market suggests the price is. That's one. F- and, you know, you're looking at the data. We're looking at the data. Uh, the second is what we think it's going to go for. And the third is what the property is worth to you. And then we take, you know, the, all three of those are sort of factors moving forward. Um, but in terms of uh, f- trying to, to essentially figure out what the winning bid is, I mean, Adam, how do you do that? Well, it's it, in in a market like this. I think what we do is we often account. We, uh, you know, I use projections, and um, you can use some of the the past data to kind of to to get to a, a bit of a future value. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always in, effective in a market well, it's like not this. An, because, an exact science either. Exactly, and I, I think that the biggest thing right now that's going on is because we have people operating in our market that are getting incredible discounts because of the dollar, well, they can pay 1.2 for a property or 1.35 for a property because to them, they're actually buying it at 900000 Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, if if it's very hard to compete with somebody who's getting a, a significant di- uh, discount yeah. on the currency because they're, they're willing to... to they're essentially willing to overshoot. Right, right. Right. So the question becomes, you know, a question that we often ask buyers is, okay, we say we think it's worth a dollar, the property. Um, and you're prepared to offer, say, you know, we think that maybe it might sell for a dollar fifteen or in around that range. That seems reasonable based on what the market's doing. Well, are you prepared to lose the property at a dollar twenty five? Yeah. Are so you, the question at, at becomes what? if it sells for a dollar twenty five. Are you going to be upset? Yeah. Would well, you have paid a dollar twenty-five? If you are going to be upset, maybe maybe we should be offering a dollar twenty-five. <clears throat> if if you're not going to be upset, well, maybe a dollar twenty-five is. Maybe we need to say, are you going to be upset if it sells for a dollar twenty? Right. And work our way down until we figure out exactly what you're comfortable offering on the property, given what we've given the the legwork and the research that we've done to make sure that you're not overpaying, but also finding a price point that that you're comfortable with but also seems to make sense given the circumstances right exactly yeah um and, the, and then the last point i was just going to say is uh in terms of strategy is so that discussion uh you know if you go through an open house on sunday that discussion doesn't happen at five o'clock on sunday first of all to compile the data and everything else take some time Second of all, if offers are say Monday at six o'clock, you don't want to be making that dollar twenty-five decision uh, on Sunday and submitting your offer. You right. want to be making that decision based on the context of the number of offers, and that yeah. essentially necessitates you to wait till almost the last minute before you submit your offer. So it's kind of a game of of early starting and kind of late offering exactly uh, like exactly. early preparation late offering yeah you you, you basically so if, if the first showing is on thursday and at the sneak peek you, get into that yeah, first you, you want to be there yeah you want to be there because with your agent 
because you want to be able to do all the legwork up front that we talked about, talking to the mortgage broker, getting the strata documents, the pre-inspection, all that has to happen immediately. Mm -hmm. And then come Monday, we want to wait to the very last minute. It's 550 if they're looking at six. At six. 550, you fire, you fire the offer over, or I want to be the one to be there and present. And we hold our cards as close to our chest as possible. And, and just to be clear, that's, uh, you know, for instance, uh, that listing I was just talking about in Mount Pleasant that was, we were helping the seller, uh, you know, somebody sent over the first offer we got on Sunday evening. And that buyer had no context. Are they the only offer? Mm-hmm. Are there 10? Are there three? That should factor into to, to where, you know, the market is essentially telegraphing you messages on the price at how right. many offers. Uh, is, this, is this price very attractive? At what, you know, there's, there's a lot you can take from that. And you don't want to be the person that is just ignoring all those market factors because you're not going to be successful uh, or you're going to wildly overshoot. Well, we've heard, we've all heard stories about the the anxious agent or buyer that sends over the above asking price offer a day before offer presentation without any other offers. Without any other offers, well, it gets accepted, yeah. and and guess what? You might have been congratulations, able to, <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it it is it's a it's a sensitive thing, but there is a strategy, there is a rhyme and reason to to all of this. It just has to be played out in a in a very meticulous, strategic way. And uh, we can help you with that. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about getting putting together a team that you're comfortable working with. Right. And uh, yeah, this might be a good time to say, and Adam, how can they reach you? Right. <laughs> uh, you can reach me at 778-866-4574 or at adam at scalinarealestate.com. And Matt? 778-847-2854. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was testing you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 778-847-2854 or at Matt at com. At Matt at com. This is, this, this, is a, this is a disaster. And we do have that line that goes to both of us. Info, the nonpartisan. Info at com. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot for listening. And yeah, hopefully that was useful. I hope so. And and our next one is going to be an interview. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's a super interesting episode. We've got uh, Lee Walker, and he's going to be talking to us about the appraisal process. And you won't want to miss this no, episode. No, no. There's a... Uh, yeah. It's well, one no, of my favorite interviews, I think. Yeah, there's there's a, no spoilers here, but... Uh, there's a few good stories that come yeah. out of it. And uh, Lee is an incredible guy to talk to. So we're very excited. So have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. This has been the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast with Adam and Matt Scalina. Contact us anytime at 778-866-4574 or 778-847-2854 or online at www.scalinarealestate.com. Subscribe today.